invite you to enter into this spirit of worship in the words of the scripture this morning that say to us, bring to God your sacrifices of praise and the consecration of your hearts. For, God's, uh, for help comes from God's sanctuary. God answers us in our day of trouble. God causes us to rise and stand upright and fills our lives with new purpose. Light shines in our darkness and we know God's glory in the face of Christ. Look beyond the earthen vessels that you are to know the transcendent power of God. May God's spirit come mightily among us to heal us and to grant us new life. Let's pray together. Holy God, before whom there are no secrets, we come into your presence this day as we really are. In all of our brokenness and hardness of heart, in all of our pretense and pride, we invite you to come into the darkness that we have created with the light of your glory, so that we may worship you with our whole being. And it's through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Welcome to Redeemer uh, on this last Sunday in January. It's good to see you and it's good to be in God's house together. In the worship folder is a connection card. We invite you to pull that out and fill it out. Let us know that you're with us today. Uh, at our membership orientation class the other night, someone said, I thought we just had to do that like once forever and that was done. Um, no, the plan is to have you uh, fill that out each week. You don't have to put all the information on. If nothing's changed, if information changes, that would be great. Uh, but, you know, statistics show that if regular attenders don't fill this out, guests aren't likely to do that either. So we need all of you to let us know that you're with us. And on the back, there's room for prayer concerns or other information you may need to share with us. So feel free to do that. We're in the fourth and final week of this teaching series called Shaping the Future. And we've been talking about how we find God's direction in our life, and uh, we've coupled that with how to make good God-honoring decisions in our life. A number of you have uh, given us feedback over the last few weeks on this series, and I appreciate that. Lots of good feedback of how it's touching your life and uh, challenged your thinking, and I do appreciate that uh, very much. We're going to be moving next week into a new series uh, on the New Testament book of First Thessalonians. If you have no idea where 1 Thessalonians is in the New Testament, you have a whole week to discover that and to start reading. We'd love to have you uh, read the book. It's a short book written by the uh, Apostle Paul, and we'd love to have you uh, begin reading ahead of time so that you get uh, more uh, understanding of each message that comes out of this powerful little book. But today we're going to be tying in uh, lessons that we've learned over the last three weeks. Uh, the first week we talked about uh, being the right person. And then the second week we talked about seeking wisdom. And last week we talked about following a process of listening to the promptings of God's Spirit uh, as we make decisions in our life. Uh, today we're going to be uh, talking about the next thing that we need to do, and that's to take a step in the right direction, take a step in a new direction. Taking that initial step out of our comfort zone, following God's lead can always be a little bit scary, but it's essential if we are going to find God's plan for our life. And the Bible text that we're going to be using today is from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. It's about building a wall. Not to be confused with any recent discussions in the news about building a wall, but it's a great story of faith, it's a great story of courage, 
and uh, we'll get to all of that in just a few moments, but let's pray together, shall we? Holy God, make your presence known to us in these moments as we gather to worship you. We come to you with our vision so often clouded by our own sin. So clear away the mist through Jesus Christ that we can catch a glimpse even now of your presence right here with us. Help us to see you as you are, not as we would like you to be. And then teach us and lift us up this day as we offer ourselves to you in worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We started this series three weeks ago talking about how to discover God's direction for our life. And we learned first that we need to ask the right questions. Who we are and what motivates us in life is where we start when we want to discover God's direction. It's more important to become the right person than to worry about moving in the right direction. Because the more we become the right person, the more we become like Jesus himself. And the goal of a Christ follower is to simply do the right things and walk in the way God has for us, to be in the center of God's will. God's plan for our life is where we experience God's blessing and peace. Then the second week, we learn how to find the wisdom we need to make good decisions. We gain wisdom as we walk closely with people who are wise. We gain wisdom as we ask God for that direction, and we gain wisdom as we make good decisions, all the while learning the direction we need to go. Even wrong decisions can help move us in the right direction if we're willing to learn from them. Last week, we learned that there is a process that God uses to help us move in a God-honoring direction, and the process starts with the Holy Spirit's prompting. And then we acknowledge that there will always be some uncertainty. There will always be predictable resistance. And that uncertainty and that resistance will lead us, if we put our trust in God, to have an uncommon kind of confidence in God. And it is that confidence that will allow us to step out in faith each time the Spirit prompts us to move into the future. Now this process repeats itself over and over and over again. And as it does, we grow in wisdom, we grow in faith, and we become more and more the people that God wants us to be. So we need to trust and lean into the process. Today we end this series at the beginning. You know, each week in this series, we have looked at some of the obstacles to decision-making But do you know what is the biggest obstacle? What is the largest obstacle to all decision-making? Do you know what stops us so much of the time? It's just starting. It's the start that stops us. It's getting off the couch that stops some of us from running a 5K race. It's not joining a life group that stops some of us from growing in our faith. It's not setting aside money and savings that keeps a lot of us from ever getting out of debt. It's not starting a conversation that we need to have with a parent or a sibling or a child that keeps our family from healing and our relationships from improving. You see, we can never finish something that we don't start. We can never grow if we refuse to begin, and so today we're going to talk about having the faith to start. 
What often makes starting so difficult is that when we need to start something, we have to first let go of something else. We have to give up the status quo, things that we're familiar with and what we're comfortable with in order to risk doing something different. To take the first step toward our destiny, we have to step away from our security and start something new. Our future can never be different, our lives can never be better until we're willing to step out of the status quo and start something new. At every age and stage of life, there are opportunities for us to change our destiny and embrace God's direction for our life. And every day we have opportunities to deepen our faith, to become more of the person we want to be and the more and more of the person uh, that we see in Jesus. Today God is calling some of us to make that start, maybe all of us. I don't know what new beginning God is asking from you today. It might be to start healing a friendship. It might be to strengthen a friendship. God might be asking you to step out at work or step up in your children's lives. Maybe God is asking you to step back on spending and get out of debt. Maybe God is asking you to step across a divide to meet a need that you see in our community. I don't know what the specific situation is for you, but I know that God is calling all of us to start something new that will move us in a new and God-honoring direction in this new year. If you were here last week, we talked about the area where most of us need to consider starting, and that is to move where the Spirit of God is prompting us to go. So I invite you to ask yourself the question, what is it? today that really burdens my heart? What is the issue that I just can't let go of, that I can't get out of my mind? What is the passion of my life for my family or for my community that I have just not been able to ignore? Where do I see no one else being involved in, and so I start thinking, hey, maybe that's where I need to step into the gap. See, it's often these kinds of promptings, these burdens that lead us in God's direction. I've shared with you before that when I arrived here at Redeemer as pastor, I heard very clearly from a few faithful leaders that ministry to children and families was a core value. Now, mind you, there weren't many of either in our congregation at that time, at least not like today, but that has proven to be a true value over the last 30 years. And as DeWitt began to grow, I, be, I too began to feel the burden that God had for the kids and the families in this community and the passion for them to know Jesus and have a relationship with the God who created them. And that burden was laid on several other hearts, prompting us to open our doors and get to know the children and the families who were moving into this area to learn to love them and share with them the love and grace of God. What prompting or what burden has God laid on your heart? It might be for your family. It might be for your own faith. It might be for your finances or your future or our church or for the lost and those who still yet do not know Christ or the lonely or the hurting in our community. Maybe it's for those in greatest need around the world, what is the burden that God has laid on your heart today? 
That is the place that we start. And the first step in the process is not necessarily doing something big to solve the problem. The first step is to pray. Let me tell you a story. Around 586 B.C., The nation of Israel was defeated by the Babylonians. The city of Jerusalem was totally destroyed, including the temple, the walls of the city, and most of the homes and businesses of the people. The majority of the people who lived in Israel were carried off into Babylon, modern-day Iraq. The city laid in ruins for 70 years. And once the Persians defeated Babylon, the king of Persia allowed some of the people of Israel to return to Jerusalem and to begin to rebuild the temple. But the process was slow. Seventy years later, around 445 B.C., 140 years after the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed, a Jewish man living in Persia by the name of Nehemiah heard from his countrymen what it was like in Jerusalem, his homeland, and he heard how the walls of the city still lay in ruins, how the gates of the city were burned and torn down, how because there was no protection, the people could not live in safety to even restore their city. The conditions in Nehemiah's homeland burdened him, and this is what he said. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and how about those things that were going on in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls, the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah was burdened by what he had heard. His heart broke for his people, his homeland, his faith, his God. Nehemiah Nehemiah was so moved that he wept. He wept for days, and this God-sized burden led him to action. The first thing Nehemiah did wasn't to go find a builder so that he could construct uh, the new walls of Jerusalem. He didn't organize a mission trip to get things started. The first thing he did was to pray. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. There are four basic parts to Nehemiah's prayer that I think are important for us to pray when we feel the Spirit of God moving us in a new direction. First, we ask God to hear us. Nehemiah prayed, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. You see, we simply ask God to turn his ear and his heart and his eyes to see us so that we can share that burden with him. If we want to make sure our burden is truly God's burden, we need to ask God to look upon us, to listen to us, to move in us, 
to give clarity and further direction to our lives. And then second, we ask God to forgive us. Nehemiah prayed, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, the decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. We need to recognize that we may have contributed to the problem or the situation that we see, and so we need to take responsibility for that and confess our sin before we ask God to help us solve the problem. And if we see the problem of injustice, we may want to confess the ways in which we hoard too much power and authority in the resources of the world. And if we want to help with world hunger, it might be important for us to confess that we waste a lot of food. If we want to heal relationships, we might need to confess how our words and our attitudes have broken some of those relationships to begin with. See, humility is important. It reminds us that we have to change ourselves if we want to change the future in our world. Then third, we ask God to remember who God is and the promises that he's made to us. Nehemiah prayed in verse 8, Please remember what you told your servant Moses. Now, we don't say that to remind God who he is or what he's promised. God doesn't need to be reminded. We ask because it shows God that we have faith in who he is and the promises he's made to us. God had promised that he would gather his people together even if they were exiled, but only if they returned to him. So Nehemiah reminds God of this to encourage himself and the people to place their trust in God. And when we ask God to remember his promises, it's because we are remembering them and we're claiming them and we're showing God that we have trust in them as we move forward. And then fourth, we need to ask God for success. Nehemiah prayed, give your servant success today by granting him favor. See, we ask God to give us favor as we seek to do his will. This doesn't mean we ask God to make everything easy for us. We heard last week that moving in God's direction is often accompanied by difficulty. We will face some uncertainty, we'll face some resistance. So we don't ask for ease, we ask for God's favor so that we can be faithful. We ask God for the faith to start so that we can begin to move in the direction God wants us to move. So the first step in starting anything is not to move forward, but to move into an attitude of prayer. And after we pray, then we can start. And here's the key to anything we start, start small. Everything bigs started with a small first step. Lots of businesses, even Fortune 500 companies, often started small. They all started with that small first step. So the key isn't to start big, but to start small. It's okay to think big, but we need to start small. Nehemiah was thinking big, but he started small. He had a vision for rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. It was the burden of his heart. But he didn't start by taking a set of completed architectural plans for the walls to the king for his approval. Nehemiah just took a small step of faith and he showed up before the king with nothing more than the burden of his heart, very plain to see. 
And while maybe it was a small step, it was also a very risky one. You see, Nehemiah was a cup bearer, which meant it was his job to taste the wine to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. Now, before you think that that sounds like a pretty good job, he wasn't tasting the wine to make sure it was a good year. He was tasting it to make sure it wasn't poisoned. And one bad day at work for him would be his last day at work. So that as a cupbearer, Nehemiah wasn't to go before the king with his own problems showing or an agenda of his own. He was just to taste the wine and serve the king. But Nehemiah took a small step of faith one day and showed up looking very sad. And God honored that by having the king ask Nehemiah, what's the problem? And that led Nehemiah to being able to share the burden of his heart with the king. The first small step was rewarded by God and led to another opportunity. When we take that first small step, God will rejoice. When we step out of our comfort for the first time, God celebrates and he gives us a chance to take another step. If you're a parent, do you remember the first step taken by your children? Chances are you celebrated that moment. You cheered that first step and then encouraged them to take another step. You didn't scold your child uh, when they failed or if they fell and demanded that they do better. You celebrated that moment. And that is exactly what God does when we're willing to take a step in his direction. God rejoices, he celebrates. God rejoiced when Nehemiah took the first step and then God moved in the heart of the king to give Nehemiah another opportunity. God honored Nehemiah's step and when we take that first step, when we start, God celebrates it and God honors it by giving us more opportunities to move forward. When the people of Israel first returned to Jerusalem and began to rebuild the temple, they had to start by placing one stone upon another. And at that time, God said to them, do not despise the small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So when we take that first step, God rejoices. Whatever that first step is that we take, God celebrates. We might not get far, we might fall down once in a while, we might need to start over, but God rejoices because we are moving in a good direction, a God-honoring direction. And as we take that first step, it's important to remember that we don't have to have the faith to finish the project, we just have to have the faith to start. We don't have to have all the answers ahead of time or even a clear vision of where we're going, we just have to have the faith to start. In the early 90s, when we saw the number of young families and kids who were moving into this community, started coming to check out our church, we knew what we needed to do. We tore down the old church building that was sat on this property, and we entered into a $1.5 million building project to add more space for the growth that we believed that God was going to give us. We took one step. And then we took another step. We began to add staff to work with our growing number of kids and youth. 
In 2004, we added more space for children's ministry and we created space for youth ministry. You see, each decision was just another step of faith to reach children and youth and families in our community. We just have to have the faith to start, to take that first step. And once we do, and here's the big key to success, we have to take another step. Nehemiah just kept taking another step. He talked to the king. He asked the king if he could go to Jerusalem to see this situation for himself. And when the king said yes, he asked the king for letters of protection uh, for him along the way. And he started asking for resources from the king so that he could rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah packed for the trip. And one day he sat down on a donkey and he started a 750-mile trip that would have taken him weeks to complete. When Nehemiah arrived, he had to take another step. He had to gather people together to begin the work. He had to face the opposition from those who didn't want the wall to be built. Remember, when we move in God's direction, we face obstacles, we face resistance, and Nehemiah did. Nehemiah kept taking another step, and then 52 days later, they had the entire wall of Jerusalem completed with gates hung at every opening. Building the wall in 52 days was a miracle, but it happened because of hard work and perseverance. It happened because Nehemiah prayed and he started and he kept taking another step. See, I think there are times in our lives when God asks us to do the impossible or what seems like impossible, and we will never do it if we never take the first step. But if we take that first step, and then another step, the sky is the limit. St. Francis of Assisi said, start by doing what is necessary, then do what is possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. Start with one small step, then take another step, and then another, and then another, and in time you will be moving in God's direction. And I think God is asking all of us today to move in his direction. God is prompting us. He is laying a burden or passion on our hearts. He's calling us in a new direction and encouraging us to pray. But then the next step is to start, to pray and to start, to pray and to start, and then keep going. Pray with me, will you? Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayers that your servants are praying before you this day. Give us the strength and the courage to to move in your direction, to take the next step that you are calling us to take. Increase our faith and start something new in us this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.